computer. No, that did. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another Earth and Body Ecosystems. Join us as we explore bridging the gap between our bodies and the Earth surrounding us. Thank you. Well, thanks. So I have to tell you, we did this wonderful podcast yesterday. I hit the record button. We got done. I went to look for the file. Guess what? No recording. So hopefully what we're recording now will get out to you. So before, we're going to talk about the earth and the vibrational energies of the earth and the bodies, how they have their own frequencies. And we're also going to speak about my journey with Lyme disease. So first, I want to tell you where you can find our podcast. This podcast is on all podcast platforms under earth and body ecosystems. It, we also put it up on our website our own personal YouTube. Mine is wonderingwildwoman.com. No, that's my email address and I'm all messed up, but that's all right. I'm not going to stop. So uh, it's one that wondering wild woman is my YouTube name, but my website also, which is still under construction is wonderingwildwoman.life. See, that's why I got a little confused there. And Joyce can be found at MajesticTerra.com. Hers is a .com. And so, yeah, and she also puts it up on her. I also put it up on, on BitChute as Wondering Wild Woman, just because I already had the account. And also Joyce puts it up on her platforms, Natural Bliss Podcast, which is also on YouTube and podcast anchor 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 so we're all over the place so yeah okay so i'll let joyce talk start with hers first and then we'll go into me all right so let's we're going to talk about the natural vibrational frequency first off everything is energy everything around us is energy it's all interconnected so our bodies vibrate in a, a certain frequency where grass vibrates at a different frequency. So our bodies should be vibrating approximately between 69 and 72. If we go down to let's say 57, then we're susceptible to colds and flus. Go down a little bit more, we're susceptible to cancer. Go down to 25, we're dying. So what do we do to make sure that our natural vibrational frequency is high? Well, first off, how do we know it's low? Low energy, moodiness, tired, just all kinds of, think about any negative symptom that, you can ex that you're experiencing, that tells you that your natural vibrational frequency is probably low. Not to mention that we, when we were talking about the nitro vibration of frequency, I can't help but mention the chakras. So there's seven basic chakras starting at the top of the head, ending at the base of the, of the spine, but like by the table. If those become blocked or out of balance, we can experience serious illnesses. 
So let's say for instance, your throat chakra. So you, you feel like you're coming down with a sore throat. It might not be that you're coming down with a sore throat. It might be that it is, it is blocked and it needs to be cleared. So how do you clear it? That's easy. There's various YouTube channels where you can get a guided meditation specifically geared towards the throat chakra or any other chakras. Other ways that we can do it is by eating the foods that are the color of the chakras. So this chakra is blue. So maybe eat some blueberries, make it a point to eat blueberries or anything that's blue. Use crystals. Also another way to raise our vibration of frequency or cleanse and clear our chakras is through meditation. Again, there's various guided meditations on YouTube where you, it will guide you through clearing out and reactivating all of the chakras. So that's something you could do too. So Heidi, what do you do to raise your vibration of frequency? Um, meditation, I think is one of, I've had some, I participate to the best of my ability in Kundalini yoga. Um, I'm not that um, flexible. So I am not sitting in the classic yoga pose. You know, I'm often sitting in a chair, but I find even I participate as much as I can. And we go into a meditation that really brings me in deep. And I find that is amazing. And I can feel it. I can feel being uplifted. I can feel my light being, uh, you know, my energy, my light around me. I can feel that it's brighter when I participate in that. And that's one thing. Walking in mother nature is so important for us. It reconnects yes. because earth has her own frequency and her own natural vibration. And right now, her, she's vibrating at 7.83 megahertz. That's her vibrational frequency. And even though it sounds like when I believe we're more in sync than the um, frequencies tell us, because we can measure things on a certain level, right? But we don't, I think our science is far from measuring things down to the nitty gritty. So I believe that we are very closely connected and it's proven that when the energy of the earth changes, it affects us. Just think mm -hmm. about how, when you're out, when it's rain, it's been raining and when it's rainy outside, right? You're kind of down, but if it's a nice sunny, dry day, not human, but a nice sunny, dry day, you feel pretty good. Your energy level goes up. So you're affected that way. And also there's a thing called the Schumann resonance. And that's kind of like um, more the magnetic sphere. It's the energy surrounding the earth. And that fluctuates all the time. You can have big spikes and you can have low spikes. And uh, there are a lot of sensitive people that, and I probably do, but I don't pay any attention. I'm looking at the readings of the Schumann residents that will experience not ups and down that correlate with the ups and down of the Schumann residents. And that's something you can look up online and you can even see the graph and everything. I think NASA has one of those. But like I said, you know, that's the way we measure it. But I don't think, you know, I think there's more 
more more okay let me put it this way i think there's more frequencies and more vibrational energy out there than we currently understand so that even though the, there's a difference between human and the earth's vibrational field there's a connection and there may be another frequency that we are much more in tune with and maybe something we've lost along the way. So, yeah, Joyce. So some other ways that I'd like to raise my vibrational frequency is, Heidi had mentioned yoga. I'm not a fan of yoga. I don't like to do yoga, but Heidi does and that's great. And I love the fact that even though she can't do it the way that exactly the, the way that they're doing it, that she's not letting it stop her and she's finding a modification. And that's real important that when you want to do something, whether it be exercising, yoga, anything that you want to do, if you're struggling to do something, find a modification, something that feels good for your body. Just don't give up and be like, I'm not, I, I can't do this. You can, you can do it. You're still going to get the, the benefits. So Qigong is something that I like to do. And not only do these things, in Qigong and yoga, not only do they raise your vibrational frequency, but it's, it's also massaging your internal organs. It's also created neurotransmitters and hormones that we need for good brain health. So there's multiple benefits outside of just going ahead and raising our natural vibrations, raising our natural vibrational frequency. Another thing that I like is I like crystals. I have some shungite here with me and this protects me against the electromagnetic field, which it comes to us in the form of various electronics, also all the wireless stuff we're bombarded by. So this shields us. This shields us from the electromagnetic field and helps to protect our natural vibrational frequency. So, and I do social guide on my website. You can go to hborganicskincare.com. You can also get it there through majestictira.com. So you can go there. I sell, I sell necklaces and I sell bracelets and I sell various other sugar products. You can get those and also other crystals. And this is gonna to help to raise your vibrational frequency. Do you wanna add anything to that, Heidi? Um, yeah, and like you were asking me, also there's a thing now and it's a thing and it makes me laugh because I did it growing up. It was a natural thing, walking barefoot on the earth. It has now yes. become a tagline of, and they're calling it grounding because it helps really balance your body. And I, I noticed that, um, and we'll get into a, a little bit later, but just to, I love walking barefoot. And <laughs> right now, the main thing that is we got porcupines all over the place and then stepping on a quill would not be fun because they do happen to leave them behind once in a while. So for us, for us down here, it's ants. Yeah, and the ants, so, ants stopped me from walking barefoot. Right, and at first it was the ticks because they're really plentiful right now. And I got over that. I said, well, if I'm barefoot and my legs are uh, showing, then I'll be able to see if something climbs on me, you know? So that's kind of stopped me. But I noticed one day, just one day where I walked out to the garden barefoot, I felt more balanced. I felt, I felt more grounded. So 
obviously we have this interconnection with the earth and because we've become so uh, civilized, so to speak, or uncivilized, <laughs> I would say more accurate because we've, we haven't, we've losing the connection between us and the earth. And, you know, for people that are living in the cities, it's really difficult, you know, um, they do have parks, you know, with green grass. So hopefully you can, you know, get your feet on the green grass in a park, but we, we've really um, paved over. Um, yes. And then there's an argument, everything that comes from mother earth, but that's the argument too, of when you start breaking down things into its constituents and herbalism, breaking it down into just one part, then you're losing all of that vibrational energy of the whole plant because you you right. take you're extracting and someday sometime we'll talk about my beliefs on essential oils and that's the key right there is pulling apart usually just one part of the plant you're losing the whole vibrational field so that's what I wanted to add, Joyce. And also the chakras are definitely very important. And there is the earth also has her own chakras. And I don't have the lineup in front of me, but there are different theories on where the chakras of planet earth are. Uh, it depends on where you look it up. I do know that, but it's usually your sacred sites. All right. So, um, I think the heart, the heart, they say, and this is actually comes from Native, Native American, is the heart is the Black Hills in South Dakota. When you do a satellite photograph of the um, seasonal changes and all, it literally looks like a beating of the heart. And it is shaped sort of like the real not the heart shape, but the actual shape of your heart. And the Lakota Dakota always have said that the Black Hills are the heart of Turtle okay, Island. Me, okay, now when you're saying that it looks like a heart from an aerial view, are you talking about like the top of yeah. the Black Mountain? Sat satellite okay. would be the top, yes. That's pretty cool. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so uh, that's, I think th I had finished my thought. So go ahead, Joyce. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. I, I've never heard that the earth also had the chakras. I know that we do have various vortexes, a lot of them being in Sedona, Arizona, which are yeah. energy portals. Um, you know, Heidi was talking about walking on the earth, you know, we're absorbing the negative ions from the earth when we're doing that, which we need because our house is polluted with a lot of positive ions. And you think that would be good, but it's not a good thing. And we especially get those negative ions, like right after a big storm when like lightning, there's a lot of lightning, of course, lightning's energy, right? Yep. So, you know, one thing, one thing I like to do because I'm in Louisiana, and the ants here are horrible. I mean, I can just stand in my driveway, have an ant crawl on me and bite me. That, that, that It's bad. I lived in Chicago, was born and raised in Chicago. Every summer I ran around barefoot in the city 
here I, I have an acre of land in Louisiana, rural Louisiana, and I don't dare walk around barefoot. But what I do like to do is go down to the lake and stick my feet in the sand or in the water, like Pontchartrain over here is a combination of of uh, lake water, but also ocean water. So we kind of get both that go in there. So I really like spending time by down by the beach and being in the sand. And that's also very grounding. You know, Heidi was talking about just walking out in nature. You know, if you ever noticed when you go for a hike in the woods or something, you feel so alive, you know, I know I do. I feel so vibrant and just so alive. And I love being just amongst the, the trees and, just other fauna and you know just it's another world definitely you know and even yeah and even in the city girl growing up i mean we had forest preserves you know so there were plots of land that were preserved where you can go biking you can go hiking and do all sorts of things and you know and that's the thing too is that not only is this going to raise your vibrational frequency it's also going to bring your stress level down and at this point in time our society is under a lot of stress. So go ahead, grab your kids, grab your partner and go for a hike, go, go out in the woods, go fishing, go do, you know, get outside. Not to mention the fact that the sun is going to go ahead and give you that vitamin D that you need. And lots more, lots more. Yeah. I I think. And also that's another thing is that has the negative ions and is really popular is a salt lamp. We have two in this yes. house. Yep. And then usually on all the time. And those are really great to lift your spirits, anything. And the light of the salt lamp, it's very warming and it's calming, you know, and a lot of people have them in their bedrooms with, you know, and they could sleep with that on. I do. And, I have one yeah. in my bedroom and the one in the living room. Yeah. So there's a lot you can do. And I was trying to think of another chakra place. I believe it's Machu Picchu is one of them, but it's a lot of our sacred sites that are considered. And now, but if you Google it or anything like that, you can find the list easy. And like I said, I've seen, you know, variations in the theme on that of which, where is which and which is which, but um, the it's, I just think um, to get, back to where I was talking about the heart um, and of the Black Hills was I was saying that the Lakota, Dakota always felt that that was a heart. And then that was confirmed by the satellite image, you know, of this changing of the seasons. It looks just like a beating heart. I've seen it. It's really quite stunning. I think you can look that up too, and you can find that. And, you know, knowing, so how did people that supposedly couldn't get above, right? Know that that's the heartbeat of Turtle Island and a Turtle Island refers to the, the North America. So that was kind of like their worldview at the time, but it really encompasses the whole world because they did were aware, but they were also said the heart of Turtle Island. Um, yeah, so I, I, think, see, look, I think the I think the reason that they realized that it was the heart was because unlike us, the indigenous people were very connected to the earth. Yep, 
you know, they, they lived a different way and, and their minds were very open and very weird. What we're talking about, they knew it. They might not have explained it the way we're explaining it, but they knew it. And so I think that's how they, I think that's how they knew it was a heart. Right. And any indigenous, even our indigenous ancestors, because yes, even us have indigenous ancestors, lived very much in touch with the earth and lived with the seasons. And that's what paganism really is all about, is about living within the seasons, living within that cycle of the spring, summer, winter and fall, Um, you know, and every um, every area has its own unique take on that. Like Joyce really never has a winter, but she has cold, rainy days when I'm having snow. You know, so it's it. That was the way for the indigenous cultures. That's how they lived, you know, and then this weird weird energy came along and said no you can't live that way anymore more it's not right and they started you know cities are the way to go and then there was more control and all that stuff and and so much so that most people i'm very fortunate i grew up in farmland had no clue good farmland good farmland for the most part but you know lots of people really have no clue what it really is like to be out in the wild, have no inkling, you know, even if you're in a suburb, it's not the same as getting out to the countryside. Even though I live in a rural area, I still have a lot of this and that going on, airplanes flying over, you know, there's always something, you know, and, you know, small airplanes, big planes, you know, take off from our local medicinal airport you know it's actually called boston regional manchester not so much lately as there's not as many flights but that and jets and you know so there's always some noise so really i do enjoy the wild but i'm not able to really get away from all that that seems to be everywhere although i haven't been out west where it might be quiet at times really quiet which I hope to do someday. So when I, when we lived in West Tennessee, we didn't have that much air traffic. We had very little air traffic in, in West Tennessee. And there we had 16 acres. So we were more in a rural environment than we are right here in Louisiana. Now here in Louisiana, we're not far from, uh, it's not a naval base, but, but in a, a small airport, you know, and there are, um, military that that fly out of there out of there and they'll be fl- the copters will be flying over a house doing their routines or whatever it is mm-hmm. that they're doing so we have a lot more air traffic here than we did in Tennessee of course in Chicago you know I, I wasn't too far from O'Hare so you know we would be outside talking we we would mm-hmm. actually have to be quiet and wait for the plane to pass before we could start talking and we couldn't hear each other. Right. I, I'm in New England. So New England is definitely a pretty busy corridor. You know, you got a lot of comings and goings, you know, from Boston, New York, whatever, you know, and they, they do fly up to the big cities in Canada, like Toronto. Um, you know, even our mail gets routed through Toronto. Did you know that? Our mail gets routed through Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. 
how separate are we really? Hmm. That's food for thought for that. But Joyce, did you want to continue with um, vibrational frequency? Well, I mean, we were we were talking about planes and, and things in flight. So I think that, you know, we should switch over to flying things and how dangerous they can be. And Heidi knows a lot about that because she encountered some flying things, crawling, creeping, crawling things in her neck of the woods that aren't very pleasant. They don't fly, but they jump, I swear. <laughs> okay, they jump. They jump. They jump and you think, how the heck did it get up there so far so quick? And I had no idea it was there. She's talking about ticks, but <laughs> they're definitely creepy crawlies though definitely creepy crawlies so boy so I had this journey with Lyme disease and uh, let's see I can't even remember how many years ago it was now I'm thinking probably around five I think it was before I started talking with Joyce so um, I was dying wool at the time so I was going out gathering um a lot of plants you know especially goldenrod that was, was really easy to die with and it's fun to die with so i wasn't on trails i was out in the pucker brush what we call it around here so i was out you know in the high grass in the you know and in, into this into that and i hadn't seen a tick it was may it was early may Min, well, it's actually, well, around the 20th of May. I, I remember the day. I think it was actually the 22nd of that year. And, um, you know, I come out in the house and I look under my bra strap. And then this tick on me and I'm like, oh, and it had been there a while. And I knew instantly for something reason, I knew it wasn't good. Um. I didn't, I knew of Lyme disease, uh, but I hadn't educated myself on the protocols of what to do. So my first instinct was to put clay on it because I know you want to draw out as much of that stuff that you can, right? All the, the toxins that the Borrelis bacteria that it injects into your system. And I did that and then things really got freaky. Uh, I did the clay for, you know, several, for a while. And it was really weird. It was like, the, after I stopped with the clay, it was like it was clay kept coming out of that area where the tick could bite me for several days. Like little tiny pieces of clay was obviously getting drawn in on top of the bacteria is my thought. I don't know. I really, it was freaky. Like I said, freaky things. Then I started to get a rash and you don't always get a both size rash, which is, if you know anything about that, they will say you'll get a rash. Doesn't happen to everybody. You can get a rash. It may not be a bullseye rash, but I could tell it was spreading outwards in different directions from the, where I was bit. What so, kind of clay did you use? Um, Bettany clay, what I had on hand, okay. it, it, all kinds, all, all clay will draw stuff out. You know, that's why we use it. Cause it draws stuff out. Okay. 
Um, so the rash is spreading? Spreading. And I'm like, okay, one thing I was taught about herbalism and sometimes you have to use, um, it's okay in a desperate situation to use an antibiotic. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I went to my doctor and they confirmed that it was Lyme disease. And I, but I'm highly allergic and I didn't want to be on them for long-term. I couldn't be sick because I get really sick. So only, and I knew I would not do it long-term. It was going to be a one-time shot. And that's what I did. And then I got into, um, into, I'm just checking everything because I heard a beep, people. So then I really dug in. I'm an herbalist, so I went to herbalism. I dug in. I asked one of my mentors, what do I do? I said, I did one round of antibiotics. I'm not doing any more. And so I found a company close by um, because this person, this other herbalist had also um, dealt with Lyme disease. So I found that Japanese knotweed, which is considered an invasive species of plant, um, is very good at rooting out Lyme disease. So I actually went on a cocktail of herbs and it's called an herbal protocol. And I got myself on that as soon as I got it shipped to me. And like I said, the people were close by to me, so it didn't take long for me to end up with that in my hands. Um, so I put myself on that and you start out with a little at a time because what happens and what I realized when I realized all the symptoms of Lyme disease, which is very, it's um, with no coincidence, I don't think. The symptoms of Lyme disease are very much like an autoimmune disease. So I'm looking back and I'm thinking, you know what? All these symptoms that I have, I've had for a long time, okay? The fatigue, just, I, I, I can't think in my brain at the moment, everything I went through, but it just, it just made sense. And so I delve in and it took time. It didn't happen overnight. Um, what I suffered from at first was some vertigo and, um, you know, Actually, I had hyper energy at first, and then that switched to chronic fatigue. And that lasted a good 10 months. I would get up in the morning and like, mm -mm, I can't stay up today. I'd get up and do what I had to do to take care of me. You know, eat, bathroom, things like that. You know, take care of myself. And I'd go back to bed for several hours a day because I just couldn't stay, couldn't do anything. I had to sleep. My body was healing, right? I was healing. So I needed rest. And like I said, it was probably a good 10 months. You know, I, I, I had to get help because I couldn't do housekeeping. It was that, it was that severe for me. Um, so just time and staying on the protocol 
I think I stayed on it too long. It can be used as a preventative, but I'm not doing that because even herbs can be overused. Um, don't let that fool you just because they're herbs. You should not be taking them every time, every day, unless they're food, basically, unless it's used as food. Um, you know, you want that herb available when you do need it. You don't, you know, you don't want to be doing you if you have an issue with your liver. Um, all of a sudden, you don't want to be taking melthyphal every single day. Um, some people say yes, but I say no, I don't think it's healthy because what if you really in dire straits, you know, you get in dire straits and you need that. Your, your liver has already become accustomed to having that every day to function. It's not really functioning. Let me, ask, let me ask you this, Heidi, outside of the Japanese knotwood, what else was in that protocol that uh, you were drinking? Can I finish what I was talking about? I would really appreciate to be able to finish my thoughts. Sure. Just kind of felt like you were getting off track. No, I was not getting off track. But when I'm because I'm talking about overusing herbs. OK, and it's important for people to understand that, you know, and it. It really. Is very important that they be there when we need them. So I, I had to stop taking it because it was not good for my intestinal tract. You know, the long term use really upset my intestinal tract, which I believe which can be part of the Lyme disease. It can definitely upset that. But I also think because I hadn't used that for so long and it's made with alcohol, that it was irritating my intestinal tract. So basically my body told me you have to stop with this. And so I did. And that's my point, Joyce. That's why I'm bringing that up because personally I've experienced overuse of herbs. And so... I think that's the good things about our bodies, though. Our bodies let us know when we don't need something. You know, like I take supplements and there's times where it's just like I realize, you know what, I don't I don't need to be doing this right now. I don't need this today or I don't need this the next day. You know, so our bodies talk to us and it's just like when, you know, I was food, you know, our bodies tell us, you know. I don't like the way that this food is, that this food does this and this food does that. And supplements, or herbs are the same way. So we have to listen to our bodies as Heidi did when she realized that, wait a minute, something's not right. I have to back off. Right, exactly. But now it's there if I need it. And if we have a, in New England, we have a very high tick population. And so... Um, mostly what carries Lyme disease is a black tick or the deer tick. Um, mostly what we have a very large population of right now is the wood tick or dog tick. The dog tick is less likely to carry Lyme disease, but it is apt to carry other Borrelia species of bacteria, which is also known as Rocky Mountain fever. So the um, protocol for that is actually, this is what I instinctively knew about the clay. Getting back to that was that the clay does help pull it out, but it needs to be mixed with 
Japanese knotweed or andagaphrus, which is a Japanese herbs and herb. And they really recommend the andagraphus, which you can find in most health food stores in a tincture. Uh, and you mix that in with the clay and you put it on when the tick bot bit you and you leave it for 24 hours. Excuse me. So that brings brings out the stuff. And um, I think it's Michael. Uh, I should have my brought my books with me. But anyway, it, it's a really proven to be highly effective, especially if you catch it early and it's just started to bore in. Like with me, I knew I was in trouble because the little tiny butt was sticking up and it had its head way down. So that's one way you tell it's been there a while. Okay. And usually with the wood ticks and we've done several podcasts, I'm sitting there and oh my God, there's a wood tick on me. Right. And it doesn't take them long to attach, but it would take them long. To, it takes them a while to turn to turn and really have the head in because they actually get the head into you, into your skin layer. And that's how come it can be so disruptive. Um, we were talking about, um, so you wanted to know about the herbs. There's, there's, a, there's a myriad of them. And there's also a myriad of them that are more personal for each person. Um, the protocol I took with a specific set, but I also took St. John's wort because that's one of my herbs. It's an herb that has an affinity for me. Um, and that's also good because that's good for the nervous system. So I, you know, I, I learned, I learned and eventually I got well. And at that time I started feeling better. My dog barked, sorry about that. Maybe jump because I didn't expect it. So over time I got better and and I actually started feeling better than I had in like 10 years. Literally, this is no lie. I had more energy and I felt really much well, you know. Um, I'm struggling this year, but this is a, that's another story. I'm at a satin return. So, you know, every what is it, every 28 to 30 years you go through diametrical changes and I can attest to that because that's happened to me. Joyce? Yeah. So the, uh, the, the, the line, there was a town that you were talking about in a previous conversation. Yes. Um, um, Lyme, Connecticut. So, so the theory is that um, Lyme disease, well, it's more than a theory, okay? It's pretty much well known that there was an island um, off the coast of Long Island, which is in the New York Sound area, okay? Southern Connecticut. So there was actually a, an article in Yankee Magazine which was, is a local magazine to New England and is very popular, actually. Um, and this article stated that there was several testing that was being done with ticks, and then they were injecting them with these bacteria, and they wanted to see how it affected the deer population on this island in Long Island Sound. Then suddenly, 
uh-huh, people in Lyme, Connecticut, which is um, on the mainland, all right, not as the crow flies, so not far from um, this island, and people started getting sick and coming down with severe autoimmune issues. And then this is where the diagnosis is and why it became known as Lyme disease, because it was a high population of people that got very ill at that time and because they didn't know much about it. And so it populated from this island. Um, our nature is not static, people. You know, birds fly, birds pick up things, right? So it got carried um, onto the, and our area, New England, has been hit hard with that. Our animals are susceptible. You know, my sister's been, I've never heard of it. I had horses back in the day. She's been pulling ticks off her horses, the dog ticks. And, you know, they can still, like I said, they can still carry the Borellus bacteria. Um, and, you know, I could really go into this in more detail. And this is where, if you really have listened to this far, please like, comment, and subscribe, because I want to hear your thoughts about this, because I can really do like a whole deep dive. I just didn't, you know, like this is kind of like on the fly because we lost our, our uh, podcast yesterday. Um, so we could really dig down. Let us know if you want us to really dive down into more. I can get into the science of it, how it works, how the body hides it and everything and how that how those herbs get into into um, the body and help dispel all that stuff because it works on other things too. I'm I'm sure because actually it's called a biofilm. So it, your body creates like a film around the bacteria to protect itself. And this biofilm is what causes the inflammation and causes all the issue. And there's other things that cause biofilms. So what these herbs do is they break down that biofilm. And so your body can naturally eliminate it. So any disease that creates a biofilm, this herbal protocol, I believe um, from my own experience can break that down. Maybe I had some other type of biofilm in my body that was causing similar symptoms from the Lyme, right? Like the Lyme. And when I sat on that protocol, that's why I felt really well because it was breaking up the biofilms that I may have had from my mercury fillings that that can cause biofilms as Joyce has told me from her experience with her husband. So, you know, maybe that helped get that stuff out of my body. And that's why I found a lot better wellness, wellness after Lyme disease. My dog's putting on a show in the background. And I just wanted to say too, to the listening audience, if there's a topic that you want Heidi and I to cover that you'd like to know more about, you know, drop us a, a line in. Let us know that you're interested in this topic or you'd like, even if you'd like just to have our thoughts and opinions on it, you know, leave us a comment and like, subscribe, share, ring a bell, you know, just keep on watching. Because you never, you never know what we're going to talk about. This is true because to us, earth and body encompasses our whole being, our whole <laughs> cosmos. That's why we're not, you know, 
So that's why we've talked about paranormal, UFOs, mediumship, things like that. We're not, you know, it's all because it all affects us. What right. affects our body, what affects our earth is what we're, we're all about. And it's really just bringing that all together and how it affects us as a whole, uh, us as a being and our earth as a being, because we, and maybe sometime when we do just us two, I can delve down in the way we trash mother earth all the time. Mm-hmm. We are trash talking. We trash talk. We treat our mother like crap, plain and simple. We, we treat it. And I'm, you know, we really, I think the main focus is to realize that she is our planet, our home, and she is sacred. And she needs to be treated in that manner of sacredness. And that doesn't mean we have to give up everything. Because actually, she's very abundant. It's the way we use things and the way we recycle and the, what, what we do with what we have and what we take. Do we so give we take, back? If, if we take care of her, she'll take care of us. Exactly. And that's what my grandfather taught me. He taught me that if you take the, care of the land, it will take care of you. And that's why when he was farming in the late 60s, in the early 70s, and that's when they came in with all these regulations. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. You couldn't, you know, basically put your cows in a barn and leave them there. Right. And he was like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. So he retired early. He still we well, still kept quite a herd. But I do remember, <coughs> excuse me, as a child, the barn being full of cows, you know, both sides, you know. So but the, he believed, you know, the way he was raised, you know, that was organic to me before organic was a term because we got away from the natural world. I think it's time to pretty much wrap it up. Joyce, do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah. Uh, one last thing. If you go onto my, my, my sister website, hborganicskincare.com, I have, I'm running a special this summer on uh, two of my, my products, the soothing sieve and the soothing cleanse. Both of them are great for, for bug bites and bruises and just a lot of things that during this time of the year that we encounter because we are, we are, we are outside more. So those two together and you get a 20%, you get your, your, it's a savings of 20%. So yeah, go over there, go do that. That's a great deal. And I'm just going to give you a little preview. Um, I spin wall, everything I spin and I also diet. This is not my dyed wool because I bought some colored wool just for the fun of it. But I'm going to focus on making hats from what I spin. So this is one of them here. It's called, um, what's it called? Yeah, good one. Fisherman's cap. <laughs> so that's in that color. And then I got one in this color, which is a natural um, color. And I'll have those up on my website, but I just thought I'd give you a little preview. This is called a newsboy. It actually has a um, brim on it. So, you know, if you're sensitive to the sun in your eyes, then that's a hat for you. So I'll get that all up. And also you can get readings from me. All you have to do is email me at colorcauldron at yahoo.com or even featherheidi all lowercase on one word, my last name first, at yahoo.com. 
and we can set up a Zoom and we can do a reading for you. And yeah, and I'll have that all up soon. I've just had delays. It happens. It's life, right? We get delayed, right. you know, we get to, and I had to learn how to do the, the web. It's, it was not a drag and drop, simple one. So anyway, thank you so much. I hope you listened to the whole thing because it really should have been very entertaining this time. Many blessings. Remember to get out there in the wild and breathe. Keep shining your light. Bye-bye. Bye.